0: Welcome to Sex in the State, a newsletter and podcast about power. Today I am joined by Misha Byrick. He is a, well, let's just start with how I know him. Um, I know him through organizing around sex positive community in the Bay Area. Um, he is an incredibly uh, impressive individual um, with a lot of fundraising and organizing experience in politics and poverty alleviation. Um, and voter turnout, um, and then more recently in the past few years on sex positive community building. And um, most recently, he has begun an organization called Evolve Men, um, focused on uh, one thing that you said in your uh, uh, webinar with um, the other Misha uh, is that, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're the other Misha, I don't, I don't wanna say, but um, another Misha is that the uh, there's, hardly any resources for men that aren't about getting laid or making more money. And I just thought, man, that hits the nail on the head. That is a a huge problem. As you know, I've been focused a lot on masculinity and how to help men. So that's something that we definitely have in common. And um, Hmm. your latest adventure is uh, a course on helping people of all genders move beyond the basics of consent to more healthy, um, ethical, uh flourishing uh human relating and so i'm just super excited to have you on and talk to you about uh masculinity men um and you know just generally like what the world can gain from sex positive feminism the the framework uh that we're both kind of operating from um so again thank you so much for coming on and it's so great to see you and uh is there anything that i missed in the intro that you want people to know
1: no, i'm I'm really flattered by that intro and thank you. it's It's such an honor and pleasure to be here. I, I i have in such admiration of the of the explorations you're doing and the consistently original perspective that you're bringing. so it's a it's a joy to be here.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. So why evolve men?
1: why Why? I mean, a little flippantly, I thought that as men's movements go, I was just so disappointed that we couldn't as a society do better than the pickup artist community. I was just so I, I, you know, when I looked around at the at the landscape, I was like, surely we could come up with a better philosophical stance and a vision for manhood. That is that is more than than simply a, a reinforcement of the most corrosive aspects of patriarchy, white supremacy and capitalism. Surely we could do better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the pickup artist thing is so fascinating and it's something that, you know, it's hard to argue with the basics of helping men uh, do a better job approaching women. Great, Absolutely. like that's, that's 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 great work that's important. But it so quickly goes into, you know, in, on the worst end, being a fundamentally misogynistic enterprise. Um, but even just, you know, sh- steelmaning it a little bit, a lot of it just seems like um, a fundamentally impoverished view of sex and sexuality that um, almost seeing sex as like conquest and um, like uh, getting a woman to sleep with you is like some kind of accomplishment. Um, as opposed to something that can enrich both of your lives.
1: Well, it's not pickup artists who created that. That's a deeply entrenched, um, both some would argue biological, but certainly societal message. What pickup artistry is doing is reinforcing patriarchy right um it's re right and it's it's saying all those messages you got are absolutely valid to men you should fuck as many women as you can sorry can i say i can say yes okay as many as you right like sex is a conquest they are the enemy they must be vanquished as many as possible and the man who has the most kills at the end of the when he dies wins um and that's not again an original message it's just a reinforcement of something that as a man and someone who works with men i can tell you is already in us (laughs) and it's very hard to to move away from um even uh people who were raised with feminist parents in liberal society uh like i was i was raised in berkeley my parents are both together they live in mill valley they're very loving we haven't had a lot of family trauma you know like This is a message I receive very, very strongly. And there's many, many, many men like me, I would argue that all of us have this in us of, you know, that it takes concrete, concerted effort to remind ourselves on an ongoing basis that sex is not conquest.
0: Totally. And one thing that I like about you is, you know, you're very quick to, as the liberals say, uh, check your privilege, right? To acknowledge the ways in which that you've uh-huh. benefited tremendously from fundamentally unjust systems. But I think that that's something that I really relate to a lot because I feel like kind of step one is to see the oppression that people like you face. So like as a woman, step one is just, yeah, misogyny exists. I've experienced it. I've read about it. I hear about it. It matters to me. And then step two is to go beyond what you personally experience to what people, who are experiencing more oppression, however you might wanna gauge that experience. Um, and it was just shocking to me to start following black women on Twitter. And I didn't know, I didn't know uh, what misogynoir was. I didn't know how deeply pervasive and entrenched, race, if you'd ask me like, is society fundamentally racist? You know, 15, 20 years ago, I don't know that I would have said yes, you know, because I didn't know. And now I'm like, yeah, society is deeply fundamentally racist.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, absolutely.
0: So Yeah. You've got to, you've got to go outside of your own personal experience to understand the world. And so I I appreciate that you do so. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is an opportunity for men to speak with other men. That's something that I wrote about recently where AOC um, was talking about, you know, maybe we could end, misogyny without men's help but it's going to go a lot better and a lot faster if, if, if men are speaking to other men about how to be masculine in a healthy constructive way um and oh. so i appreciate your work in that way
1: oh well thanks for saying that and of course and of course i agree with aoc in that um in that gq article that just came out it's very that's very true and it's and it's a statement that i think has been said and, and made by um all the all the feminist thinkers that that I read and who 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 have influenced me, um, you know. Audre Lorde didn't spend a huge amount of time on this. Uh, bell hooks spent a lot of time on this. Uh, Adrienne Marie Brown spends a lot of time articulating this. One of my uh, favorite philosophers now is Amia Srinivasan, who um, writes uh, very eloquently um, about about men and men's role in society. And the there's so much beauty when men come together and um, uh, in men's groups, and I think men's groups as a as a societal facet are a lot more ubiquitous in many ways than 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 uh, than people might think. I, I, there's thousands and thousands of men's groups all over this country, um, and a lot are engaging in just the the, the fundamental project of uh, creating a space where men are allowed more emotions than I think, as you recently wrote, anger and happiness. <laughs> which is really great, Um, very healthy. Um, It's also very healthy um, from a feminist perspective for men to be exercising their own muscles of um, emotional space holding for other men. So that, right, I think that's actually a very big part of it. When you're in a men's group, you don't have to rely on your partner, your wife, your girlfriend for all of your emotional unloading, which I know many men do, right? They're like, I don't need therapy. You know, my girlfriend and I talk a lot. <laughs> right <laughs> but um i my and my invitation is for every man to, to be in a men's group to start piecing apart um elements of the toxic masculinity and patriarchy and frankly racism that's already inside them and a lot of men's groups um won't necessarily create the space for what i would call the path of a more evolved masculinity or evolved manhood um i try not to use the two interchangeably um which is a much more radical form of power awareness, integrity, and accountability.
0: Why do you differentiate masculinity and manhood?
1: Well, because I uh, associate the word masculinity um, with um, an archetypal force that people with any combination of genitalia can exhibit. A woman can exhibit a masculine trait, a man can exhibit a feminine trait. I think honestly, when society talks about toxic masculinity, they're not talking about toxic masculinity, they're talking about toxic manhood. <laughs> they're talking about men being in the world, usually cis men being in the world in a toxic way. Um, so it's a kind of a semantic nuanced point, but it's still kind of important to me, especially, like I think we should be talking about what we're talking about on the and I, I think that the, it's the beingness of a man and how you are a man and wield your manhood in the world that can be very beautiful and healing because you're controverting um and maybe transcending societal scripts but can also be really toxic if you're reinforcing them
0: yeah i you know i think m- if i'm gonna quibble with that and i don't want to spend a whole 40 minutes on
1: something oh, can, but... can we just <laughs> go down into semantic digression for the whole time
0: i mean it's my podcast, I my podcast. um <laughs> But I think that the, the the problem I have with that is it, it does seem a little bit uh, re-entrenching of the gen- gender binary, which which I'm not um, sure about. But I, as you say that, I've stopped as much using the word toxic masculinity without fully examining why. But I think the main reason I don't like it is because I don't think that it's really about femininity or masculinity. I think the root of the problem is Um, rigidly enforced gender norms, to gender a trait, whether it's being conscientious and emotionally attuned, which we gender as feminine, or being competitive and aggressive, which we gender as masculine. These things aren't toxic or non-toxic. They're not positive or negative. Like they are extremely useful in certain circumstances and extremely not useful in others. And so just the the fact that we gender these traits at all, I think is what becomes toxic, especially when it's violently enforced, when a man exhibits compassion or vulnerability and is punished by society because that's not masculine and he's not being a real man. It's not the vulnerability that's toxic and it's not the aggression that's toxic. It's that we're required to conform to these gender norms that ends up being toxic. So I think what you're saying about like men needing spaces where they can be what society deems feminine and not be punished for it is absolutely essential. But I think like step one is just to recognize the water we're swimming in. Because when I start writing about these things, I had somebody on one of my Facebook posts say, um, you know, masculinity is never violently enforced on me essentially and i'm like i guarantee you it is um yeah. you are not noticing it because it's literally the air you breathe in the water you swim in it's it's default and we don't by default notice defaults we see them as normal um, we notice violations of defaults and so i think it's just really important to just start by recognizing the reality of the situation which is that men are punished Far more than women are punished for violating gender norms, and so if we can just notice ourselves, you know, if I make fun of a man for crying, right? I'm violently enforcing gender norms. Oh, yeah. um, Absolutely. And so if we, we can just notice ourselves doing that, I think we can start to dismantle it.
1: Yeah, and 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 I I, I want to just uh, just stay with that point for a second because I think it's an important one. Um, the 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 reinforcement um, sometimes intensely, sometimes violently of gender norms. Um, It looks, it looks a lot differently. And I think, I I mean, I I live and work in the Bay Area, a lot of my clients um, come from are are privileged white men, and um, privileged both socioeconomically and racially and in a in a a gendered way, but also, um, also uh, culturally, uh, in that, in many cases, the men in the bay area have intellectually at least sort of made some sort of a transcendence of those or at least the 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 most basic of the entrenched gender norms and and have a sense of liberation for their genders men in the bay they they hug they kiss they wear dresses when they want they wear makeup they you know express a whole range of emotions and it can be a uh, a rude wake-up call when a man who, at least outwardly, can display many elements of femininity and a much wider range of emotions than is traditionally accepted in um, some in, in most of our culture, um, still uh, still displays many elements of um, uh, of of what I would call patriarchal harm, right? Where uh, it just it just looks different. There was a great article that I often send my clients on the New York Times recently about petulant vulnerability. Um, if you right, I'm sure you saw this too. The the a kind of a oh no it, yeah just just a um, toxic masculinity in its newest form, which is I now like I'm a man who's been to therapy. I can totally manipulate a wide range of emotions to essentially weaponize my vulnerability to still achieve essentially patriarchal ends. Of domination and submission of women, right? Yeah. If you look at abuse, if you look at the abuse literature, this is also um, very common, right? You send an abuser to therapy for two years, and he's just going to abuse better, <laughs> right. right? This is, uh, yeah. So, so I, 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 one of the things about enforcing gender norms is that they're nefarious, much like, much like a racialized uh norms and 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 racism it's it's deep and entrenched and 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 slippery and hard to pin down um i did also want to pick up on another thing that you said uh, just about reinforcing the gender binary certainly as 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 a man who is presenting as a men's coach there's always a risk of reinforcing the gender binary. My my queer friend, um, Michael Morgenstern, um, and I have a joke about this when he goes, like, um, go, going to neo-tantra retreats, and as a queer man, and having the experience as he's shared with me, a, a, we call it being Shiva Shaktid, right where where're you're, you're, the, the binary is so strong, and it's like, this is the only way to be. If you're a man, you must be this, and you must be attracted to the woman. If you're a woman, you must be this, you must be attracted to. The man, and like that's it. And of course, it's so critical to muddy those waters. It's so critical to to notice the the fluidity of expression, and it's so easy to just go into binary binary ways um. And I just, I just wanted to acknowledge at least that that's that's always a risk being totally. a men's coach. It's always a of risk, of and in my in my practice, and I just wanted to at least acknowledge that it's there. <laughs> and I
0: appreciate that, and I, I I understand it is um it's a it's a new world, and we're all learning. Um, I think going back to your point about the slipperiness of um systems like racism and sexism, I think. One thing that I've learned over the years is that it's really easy and I think really default to look at people as enemies, right? The racists are the enemies, the sexists are the enemies or to get worse and to say men are the enemy or white people are the enemy. Um, And I think that what's been really helpful for me and it's been concurrent with like recognizing my own um, internalized misogyny and internalized racism is that, you know, I'm not a fundamentally bad person, right? I'm raised in a fundamentally fucked up society. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to understand how the world works incorrectly because I've been taught explicitly that it works in an incorrect way. And so taking aside the concept of who's a bad person and just putting that aside and saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. We can't know, and it's best to assume we're all good. And to say these are bad systems has been really helpful for me. and um and I think with these men that you're speaking to, I think we're all really invested in the idea of being good people, obviously. And these men are really invested in the idea of being evolved um, gender-wise. But what I noticed with, you know, I started writing about, sex work uh almost 10 years ago and i started only fans in 2020 mm-hmm. and what i noticed from doing only fans was that i'd been on the explicit sex positive bandwagon for a decade and so i knew in my head all sexual activity between consenting adults is inherently morally neutral I knew, but I felt shame and fear and stigma about doing certain things with mm-hmm. my body that were totally consensual. I was under no real duress. It wasn't hurting anybody. But these messages that I had been raised with are deeper than my beliefs that I've adopted through education and and learning and critical thinking. And so, to expect ourselves to adopt a new framework and then immediately flush away all of the programming and all of the emotional attachment we have to these ideas that we've been imbued with from a young age is unreasonable. It's an unreasonable expectation. It's a lifetime's work to dismantle the bullshit we've been taught from a young age. Mm-hmm. And if we can forgive ourselves and forgive other people for our unhelpful programming, um, we're going to move to better ways of relating a lot faster.
1: Yeah, yeah, and one of the most profound uh, transformations that occur in my one-on-one client uh, programs is is often this 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 kind of epiphany that like that a man might have of like oh like I too am oppressed like I've been oppressing myself with with this incredible pressure um, to provide for my family without de- demonstrating any emotion, um, a deep realization of the ways that women have harmed me and that that's okay. That it actually, doesn't make me less of a man that my ex-wife like really hurt me. Um, that, that I'm allowed to be someone who experiences that depth and that emotion and that the, the general woke agenda can occlude me, that I can be a part of this, this whole thing, of liberation, that there is something for me to be liberated from, something really deep and real, um, of uh, you know, which is of course what, again, bless bless her memory, Bell Hooks has been preaching for decades. But um, it, it 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 doesn't land the same until a man associates it in his own reality, in his own life. Like you were saying, you know, when you really start to see the um, the structure. The structure of the oppressions and, and, and to get back to that structure I, I'm actually really interested as a coach and as a transformational um engagement person someone who actually makes my living doing these engagements what methodologically and pedagogically works <laughs> to create such a transformation right uh in in the 70s it was we called it consciousness raising sessions right you'd have these rap sessions right um sometimes uh you know uh really transformational men's retreat so it's not just men sitting in a circle emoting together or sharing stories or narratives but doing gestalt style immersive ongoing six hours long sessions of therapy where you actually have a transformational experience and and see something or liberate yourself in some way um i've um my method is uh heavily reliant on feminist literature and reading and writing assignments um <laughs> Uh, some people respond to that well, some people don't. I think that there's many, many ways to do this work. Um, it's also not appropriate for certain people in, in in you know, in in many contexts. Um, but I found it huge to literally just put them in front of um, an author like Nora Samaran um, or even Rebecca Solnit and see what their reactions are to some of their more beautiful writings. And one of the biggest transformations is literally just being able to sit with the writing and not reject it out of hand because it's written by a woman even though he would never admit that that's what he's doing
0: totally yeah as someone who whose life work is changing hearts and minds I'm obviously like also super interested in like what works and what doesn't and um some of the things that I've come to believe work is uh storytelling. I think people respond a lot more to stories than to facts. Um empathy yep. I think is really useful. And I think that it's really unfortunate again going back to the people are not the enemy systems are that there's so much talk on the left especially about oppressors. Yeah. And I think when we talk about oppressors it is fundamentally reasonably alienating to anyone who could identify with any groups being labeled oppressors. And I think for white, cis, het men in particular, they, I think they feel rightly like really alienated from any of these conversations about systemic oppression because in those conversations they're often being framed as oppressors.
1: Yeah, and it sucks, so- someone likes to be a oppressor.
0: Right. Yeah, you're, right. you're
1: turned off by the discourse before it's even begun. Before you've even even intellectually allowed yourself to be penetrated by it, you're you're, you're turned off by the discourse, and that's that's 100 true. I actually I, I I call this passing through the Rubicon um, for men, uh, where they where if you've done enough of the work, right? And I'll just make this really simplistic and probably overly simplistic for a second, but like if you've done enough of the work, and this is similar, by the way, to to understanding racism as a white person, right? If you have an immediate resistance to it, then it's definitely about you. If you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And so so I, I and this is this is kind of an overly simplified phrase, but I like to say this only applies to you if you believe it doesn't. Right? So well, like
0: I don't know if that's true. Yet. It's not. It's diploma- not quite you know,
1: true, right? It's not yeah. quite true, but it's it's a useful phrase for getting through the rubicon right it's again it's it's, it's an intermediate intermediary phrase but of course of course when black people are talking about white people they're still talking about me you know just because I have an anti-racist discourse and an understanding of that doesn't mean that like i'm am exempt or somehow tra- i can transcend it but i don't take it personally in the and i don't get defensive right. because i'm like yep that's real and i still have a right to live and i still get to be and breathe and like live out my existence and contribute my gifts to this world while I still can. And yeah. no one would ever deny me that. And I can use my discernment to dismiss anybody who would deny me that right to live in the world. Um, yeah. But no one's really saying that white people can't live in the world. But the the I, I, a lot of my practice is actually teaching men to be able to, like, withstand the initial fire of like, oh, I'm not an oppressor and I reject anything else that will come out of your mouth to being like, yeah, white people are the oppressor. and Okay, and now I'm gonna like still live my life and navigate that and not try to like find an intellectual way around it,
0: <laughs> or um, white people inadvertently benefit from a system that uh, oppresses black people right we can we can phrase it without saying white people are the oppressor to say you know if you but, want to <laughs> we,
1: we we could I mean, like again, like my i i, I mean I, and and it's it's certainly a risk of of being alienating. But the way that I was taught anti racism and that I believe it's important. First of all, I was I don't teach anti racism as a, as a white guy. I think it's important not to but uh, I I think it's important to be able as a white man to walk in the world and understand that when I walk into a woman and I meet a black woman, she might think of me and have many judgments of me because of The way our society works and not to like walk into the room and hold it against her (laughs) you know that i have to like you know and also not try to like prove that i'm one of the good ones either but like actually hold that nuance and truly be with that without necessarily like extruding all blame on quote society or quote system and letting the interpersonal element of this be part of it
0: yeah Yeah, I I think that's fair. And I think one thing that I think is really interesting about what you're doing is that it's very like 301 content, right? This is not for beginners. This is not for even people who've spent a, you know, it's, it's, it's high level content. and And I think that's excellent. And I think that that's necessary. One thing though, that I find lacking on the left is a huge dearth of 101 content. Like when you look for really basic idiots guide to things like, um, you know, critical race theory or intersectional feminism or whatever racism, um, you have this whole ecosystem of really, really accessible content from the right, which is wrong. Like it's, it's blatantly false uh, misrepresentation of these ideas, Um, but it's accessible and it's available and it's free. And when you look to like, what's the the real real on critical race theory and intersectional feminism, it's academic papers written by scholars in academic ease. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have to educate you. And it's just really difficult it's going to be difficult to get an on ramp to these things anyway, because of white fragility, and because of you know it's it's just a hard thing to wrap your mind around and to accept emotionally. But then there's a there's a dearth of institutional uh, material that would make it easy for people to get onboarded. Have mm. you found that to be the case?
1: I mean, I suppose. I mean, I, the, to a degree, I think that a lot of popular culture default to being the messaging. You know, that if you follow a lot of popular culture, you're gonna find a lot of distilled leftist messaging of trans and fat acceptance, um, of um, sex positivity, of uh, diverse gender expression, um, and certainly of basic human tolerance and compassion. Um, it, you know, in general, w- w- with the caveats that of course it's all celebrity, you know, Filtered through the lens of patriarchal beauty standards and uh, money, 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 money. But you know, this is America. Um,
0: That's a good counterpoint.
1: I, and so and like I I I personally don't believe that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that uh, you know Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan are, or or like the Red Scare podcast, for instance, are are like particularly speaking down to like a low intellectual uh level on the contrary i i I think i think people are seeking erudite um sometimes tangential like really going off into tangent academic discussions of what it means to be a person in the world what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman what the what the what a vision of an ideal society are and um Or is what a vision of an ideal society is. And I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, yes, I'm never, I'm never going to reach like a, like a hardcore MAGA voter, but, you know, that's, that's, I'm not saying
0: that's your role, Uh, you know, and I, you know, it's
1: definitely, it's definitely not my role. And it's definitely not like, like, on the other hand, like, I have. You know, like I, I sit in a place, and like I teach my clients a a, a practice of compassion for everybody. I don't, you know, like I am I am humbled by, by the privileges I was I was raised with. I'm humbled to be in the Bay Area, where a place that I particularly resonate with, and that works for me. Um, and when I say I'm not going to reach a MAGA voter, it's it's with the humility that I don't have the perspective to understand their their full humanity, except that I see it and I see them as as humans i see them as people worthy of love and respect and i see all of us as worthy of love and respect every human that's just my philosophy and it's very important uh i, I really think that you know I, you know I, I try to try to catch myself even a vestige of superiority creeps in i try to smack it down you know because totally. it's that's really dangerous and kind of fucked up and i totally don't want to
0: totally absolutely and i appreciate that for my own personal curiosity, um, I guess i'm I'm wondering two things, like one, would it be more effective to you know do a YouTube series or like write a book versus uh, coaching or courses as far as like social change? And then two, are you doing the coursework and the coaching? And this is something I've thought about doing yeah. uh, kind of as a uh, way to inform any future like mass media that you might put out
1: there's a degree of that like i definitely have an academic background and have always thrived in um in in thinking spaces and in philosophical spaces i love writing and i'm a and i'm a a a natural writer in, in in many ways um couldn't figure out how to make money with that and it wasn't um But I knew that I wanted to make an impact and I knew that and I know that my vision for my life is impact the national conversation around men and sexuality. Um, And that's very clear to me. And I won't get there exclusively through one-on-one coaching. So I do have grander visions and um, the humility and yes, education of meeting men on a one-on-one level or in a small group level and seeing where humans are and constantly experiencing the nuance of people's experience um and people's perspective is it's incredibly beautiful and humbling work and i've i love it i just love it i love seeing an individual uh, transformation at an individual level and 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 holding someone's hand as as they walk on a journey um and I, i i i know it's not it's 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 not within the the, the current therapeutic paradigm, but I've spoken with a lot of therapists and who wish that it was to be a therapist with an agenda, to be a therapist with a mission. Um, and to, you know, so I know ASEC certified um, therapists who specifically do have a vision of a form of manhood and accountability. But when a man comes to them and says, listen, yeah, you know, I definitely raped someone last week. Let me tell you how I feel. <laughs> they just have to hold them in their feelings. They're not allowed to enforce a form of accountability or a code or or they're not allowed to like really hold that man's feet to the fire around right relationship with the people around him or with himself and his own morality. And that's just such a huge, a huge lack Frankly, in the therapeutic edifice, we okay. don't have a mechanism for supporting people to be true to themselves. Um, we have a, a mechanism for supporting people to feel better about themselves, but that's often, and maybe even not that. Um, I, 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 you know. So I, I think I just kind of come back to this. I, I really do believe that there's an incredibly important function here that we're missing of social accountability and individual accountability around the interpersonal harms that we cause each other just on an everyday basis just in relationship i'm not talking totally. about harms, but yeah i just needed to I need, I need to mention that because i think it's just such an incredibly important part and it cuts across societal strata and race that we're all harming each other all the time and it's a big big part of what my vision is is being a, is, 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 I'm, I'm, in other words, let me, let me, I'm much more passionate about prison abolition than gender abolition, you know? Like, I really, that, that, (laughs) that's more relevant to me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, prison, prison abolition is, is really important, and um, I think the thing that I like about the course is that I think what's really missing in, like, therapy and, and, and just society is community, right? That, the traditional, Uh, institutions that we've relied on to build and maintain community um, aren't available aren't working the way that they used to and haven't really been replaced by anything sufficiently robust and so um, you know a lot of your work has been around community building and I think that's super super important super valuable but um, I have less than a minute left so oh really uh, okay Okay. (laughs) yeah Thank you so much for coming uh, on.. Done. All right. Thank you for your time. <laughs> um, thank you for your work. and um, check out the website evolve Check out the course. It's on the top says course. and um, i'll I'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Kathy.